Why he fighting fighting this? Why what 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 what, what is his goal? Yo, welcome back to another episode of the Immigrant Section. It's your boy, Boss Wahab, saying I salute you for tuning back in. I appreciate you. My guest today, back in the studio for his second appearance in the Immigrant Section. My guy, Anto Chan. What do you say, homie? Hey, good to see you, man. Thank you so much for having me back. You're definitely a Subaru guy. You know, we do a thing (laughs) with guest cars. We forgot to do it today because, you know, I pulled up last second, but... You're in the back of that. What is it, Forester? Uh, yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. dude, you look. It looks pure art teacher back there. You had, <laughs> you had a crate of albums, like vinyls. You had like six shirts and like fourteen books. You look like you were going to the hood and just trying to spread <laughs> art and culture to whatever kid you look looked like he was struggling. Yeah, and Read I read this. And I also was struggling that I live in that car too. Yeah, so, yeah. So, I didn't yeah, see the yeah. back seat. That's <laughs> yeah. where the pillow is. Yeah, and yeah. The there's blanket. an actual. <laughs> but it was it was um it was actually a gift from my dad the forester it was no such way. like a, yeah and i got it for for my birthday and it was like the strangest thing like damn go- you come from money bro no not that's what's crazy that's like so that's why it was so surprising i've never i was mad a little bit there <laughs> wait you got that free man yeah this, this a 2000 2000- struggle bro <laughs> the 2009 forester is that bam. an 09 in, yeah 09 yeah looks in, new in your face yeah <laughs> but yeah he got it for you for your for, birthday yeah and i was visiting ottawa and then he just came downstairs i had all of my bags and everything he's like come up come up come up he just like kind of like motioned me and i was like all right so i just followed him into his like cave of his like room that he works at you know he works for the government so he's just always in his room and there's just so much stuff in there and he's just like points at the screen like on his computer i was like what what is happening right now and he's like you know your 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 old car. You can't drive anymore. Right? I was like, yeah, yeah. It's like, what were you driving up to, to that? Point? A, a PT Cruiser. Oh my god! <laughs> Did he get you that too? No, 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 no. Okay. I got that. I got that. Um, I love that in your mind now. Everything that I've ever done, my it's parents, my dad has given gift. to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, he's just like, okay, uh, I'll, I'll get you this car. And then we were just in the car and driving to go and purchase this this random car. And we met multiple old Chinese men, shook a lot of hands, and then. As I was leaving, he's like, now you could come visit your mom more often. And I was like, you too, right, Dad? And he was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then I just yeah. I hug him, and Not he just, really. like, backpat hugs me. And then it's, yeah, you know, yeah. like, he's that's like, uh, the... Uh. But it was like, that was such a important moment or special moment, you know? It's like, I'm 36 now, and it's like, after all these... I've never received a gift like this, but there's just been so much different types of love. So it's like, I'm realizing it's just a different way of caring, you know? Like... He's more of an action person and and less of a talking person. And I'm always like, I love you, dad. And he's like, good. You know? Well, I mean, as long as you're driving away in a new car, it doesn't matter. He could have spit in your face. I'm like, immigrant parents, am I right? Oh, man. Oh, immigrant parents. (laughs) I love that you're not even wiping it with like a napkin or anything. Your hand. Oh, you got a forest here, bro. They should have a feature for that in yeah. there, huh? <laughs> Just sprays in your face. Did it like, have did it have any maintenance issues or did it create any issues for you? I mean, the engine light is on all the time, but I mean, I'm used to that. Yeah. Like, yeah anybody who's ever had I love like, that. a used the artist car, life yeah, right artist there. Life. You, you're just okay with the engine light. Like sometimes they'll flash and I'm like, I probably should bring it in. And then I just don't. Like, oh, when it flashes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when it's real <laughs> engine check engine, you know? Because yeah. yeah. normally it's like, ah, oh, check engine, you yeah, know? Yeah. It's like, just check it when you, I mean, if... <laughs> If it's convenient at some point to check engine, then probably yeah. check engine, right? But when it flashes, they're like, bro, <laughs> check engine. You know what I mean? Yeah, get your fucking shit checked, dude. It's like when you get your tires like switched over. Rotated, just, yeah. Just ask about the engine to the guy, but don't actually pay him any money. That's yeah. what I'm hearing. And then if it's like flashing, it's like, okay, you know, bring it up in like more. Hey, I'm just bringing this in. Can you do a check on the car for like 100 bucks or something, you know? But... You know I, what I, I try not to yeah, spend you don't, too much. You like, don't want to pay for it. But you know what I've noticed that is that at least the kind of proactive shops, they will check first. Mm. You don't even have to say Because they need to make money. That's yeah, how they make it's money. it's all upsell. They're like, uh, we noticed some lights on your yeah. dash. And you're like, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, your rear right hub needs to be changed. You're like, rear right hub? Okay, <laughs> now you're online looking at parts. I have no and idea. Like, yeah. Yeah, well, I know car stuff. stuff, but now it's like... You could shop around and be like, how much to switch out the rear right hub? Like, you can go look for the cheapest hourly rate. Yeah. 
And on YouTube, you but, could be like, I can maybe do it myself. I've done a lot of that, but the changing a wheel hub is like fucking labor intensive. Uh, you want to do it. It's like... Are you starting it, a business right now? Is that what we're thinking of? No, right? I do this stuff. Oh, yeah, that's for my own saying. car. Okay. No, 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 no. I don't have the time. <laughs> nor, have no, no. I'm not doing do anything. How much do you need to, to cheat my that. that time. So time consuming. But like I used to be like a hunter for the cheapest price. Mm -hmm. And then you realize you're not really building a relationship at one. You want to build a relationship at one shop. But also you're spent like that's the same with me. But like more so if I'm going to purchase something, I need to find like the cheapest thing, find a deal for all that kind of stuff. And then what ends up happening is you spend like 40 hours exactly. in like two weeks doing it. And you're like, how much money would I have made if I would have just spent 40 hours doing that other thing? Your own so craft or whatever the just, fuck. Yeah. 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 But I just get like obsessive if I'm going to purchase something. So it just spent all this extra time. If you value your time, it's like you'll never return anything. Like you buy a shirt that's like 30 bucks. It's like, am I going to go to the fucking thing? I just <laughs> yeah. have this now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And the worst is when you see like a shirt or something that you haven't even taken the tag off of and you just like bought it and you're like what am i even you just in this you ever go into a place being like i'm i'm not leaving empty-handed you know oh no not me man i Dude, leave all the time but it's uncomfortable i'll that be moment out when i'll you... be out like uh, we were just in montreal doing shows and we went into this place to like we were killing time and this like the store had shit and i was like i'm buying something here for like i was sold on the idea of buying oh, something before i, I even like yeah, got yeah. something because that I'm was like, why you were there not like because we had two hours to kill yeah, yeah. we had a little money in our pockets like uh -huh. i'm buying something to remember being here yeah it's like commemorate money from comedy all these yeah, things yeah right? and then never and found nothing but then eventually found shoes those, those shoes right oh, there i was looking at those yeah, shoes not bad, right? yeah Dude, have you actually worn them or they're just I like have. It's celebratory? Just the fucking puppies chewing them. Oh, everything. Okay, damn. I keep the prize possessions high up. Yeah, <laughs> whatever is high up, that's what I love. Okay, nice, right? nice. See, yeah. all my picture frames are low as shit. You know, <laughs> they can attack, dude. So is that why you made me lower my seat? Yeah, I was it's like, because your you're seat. like, you're, you're less, less. Of, yeah, I get the dog to chew my ankles. You know. <laughs> I got some Mandarin chicken for you guys. <laughs> Cantonese, all right? Yeah, yeah. Cantonese. I love that you don't mind the chicken part. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's not like, at all, Get, no. the, get yeah. Hong Kong. You yeah, prick. Hong Kong specific, you know? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, man, thank you for coming out, bro. Absolutely. I appreciate you. Uh, seeing you back in the studio in the immigrant section. Yo, you like the new setup? Beautiful We're setup. We're upstairs now. Huh? Yeah, yeah, that's nice for sure. And, and uh, there was no moments where you're like, don't look over there, you know? Like, this is all... Everything is viewable and enjoyable. Did I say yeah. don't look over there last time? Uh, not in like, uh, you didn't say it with words, but you. I, I just kind of was like looking around and you're like, okay, let's uh, start. You know? <laughs> yeah. like, it's just kind of like, let's go. But like, it's so beautiful in here, man. You definitely upgraded. I love what you've done with the space. And yeah, it definitely feels good. But I feel like the vibe's same. It's still good. Oh, it's the same. Yeah. yeah. But it's a work in progress. Like the lighting is a work in progress. Everything mm. has been a work in progress. Dante is on board now. It's yeah. nice to have like team is doubled. It's nice to have support for sure, for sure. Mm. But uh, I know that you kicked off some sort of like you got a bunch of money from like <laughs> I love how you say right that. to the chase. Like, how you government? <laughs> you you tricked the government into giving you money. <laughs> Clearly, you showed them a picture of check engine yeah, sign yeah. with like. <laughs> Immigrant, like you sold them on diversity. Yeah. You, either way, I know, I know you, bro. Uh, you sold some motherfucking uh, funding body <laughs> on some struggle, but you got some money and you're putting together some real shit. And yeah. in May, I forget mm. what it's called, but I'm like, yo, yeah, intergenerational, intergenerational. Yeah. Tell me about that. Yeah, so it's uh, it's also humorous because that's how you know we know each other from comedy is because we can't just see the other person be like, you know what, you just you're doing great in this way. Specific. I got to make sure that we bring you back down to comedy yeah, yeah, world. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like, you somehow dude, tricked yeah. somebody into yeah. You but wrote I, a lot of POC <laughs> Asian hate. I can yeah. just picture the application. A hate against uh. Asians, minority differences. Bringing life to this. Absolutely. Yeah. And also, um, that stuff is important. So thank you for uh, talking down to it. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> sarcasm yeah, this yeah. is the highest but, level. But I also definitely like both things, right? It's like super important to talk about these things and like obviously bring it up. But at the same time, definitely it is good in the grants to be able to talk about the things that a lot of people aren't bringing up, right? And there is a certain level of, especially as artists and performers, there is a feeling of a bit cheesiness to it. You know, you're like, oh, I got to like, bring this stuff up but that I is gotta make what, it funny i gotta make it funny yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but i also want to 
get, bring light to a lot of these things, these topics as well too, right? So it's kind of like both. It's like, yes, I had to bring this stuff up in my, but it also is forcing me or pushing me to actually investigate a lot of the shit that I've kind of like buried and not talked about and not thought about, right? So even it, as a comedian, when you talk about a lot of the stuff, the struggles of the immigrant experience and things like that, you really could only get so surfaced, right? You can't, the longest people will really pay attention to you talking about like maybe one story or whatever, especially if you're not headlining, is maybe like five minutes or something, right? But it's like this type of show really like, you kind of have to flesh it out and make the experience kind of more intense and longer and which I'm really excited to, you know, really investigate and experience and try to push myself in that way, you know? So, so what is the show exactly? So where is it going down? Yeah. So there's actually- why am I not on this shit, bro? <laughs> why am I not on this shit, bro? Yeah. Well, you're not Asian. Uh, that's one. Oh, is it purely, uh, purely you Asian? You said intergenerational. That's, yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah. hear any Asian Interge- So intergenerational uh, trauma and healing, that's yeah. the name of it. And it's specifically for um, Asian uh, performance artists. So okay, it's okay. I'm not mad at it. The immigrant section. Yo, we could, I'm looking for a spot. We could slowly spot? expand it. Yeah, we'll yeah. expand it. We can do a collab next year too. That was one of the things that I really wanted to do too. Is like to to connect to a lot of different, um, you know, different people who are also have gone through intergenerational trauma and and all the work that they're doing to heal. And like that's a big part of the show. And that's what's interesting, bringing it back into comedy as well too. Right? It's like how do you talk about these super intense topics that are like that fucked you up even when you were a kid and then you bring it, but that's why it's so interesting and why I was like so hyped to be back on this show is because you guys, you do it all the time. You're like, well, that's the, the point of this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we, you know, we, we cut into it. We cut into yeah. the meat of things. We, you know, we, uh, we try to have, bring levity to it. Yeah. But a hundred percent, I've had a lot of episodes where it's just the person's 30 minutes. Like <laughs> we saw nine people die in front of us. We walked, I'm like, oh yeah, shit. Yeah. And I don't, part of like, me doesn't want to be like, 10, am I right? Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you were hurt by what I said earlier. You're mad at me, dude. I'm not mad at you. No, I'm not mad at you. I feel it though, because I also feel the stuff that you're saying right now, it's that I go through it too. It feels like I have to do a dance. Thing. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Right. And, it, and it's not just with audience it is also with governing bodies in that way too and I don't blame them because they do want to highlight these they have an agenda as well too. absolutely and they are wanting to be able to give a certain amount to uh, BIPOC or like organizations and uh, artists right so BIPOC uh, sounds like if Tupac went both ways (laughs) 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 BIPOC but uh, but what intergenerational yeah is it Comedians, art, musicians. So, uh, two, so there's two other artists, uh, performance artists. One of them is actually a rapper and a dancer. Yeah. And then he's also produces all his own music and stuff like that. What's and his then name? His name is Siddhartha. Siddhartha. Yeah, Siddhartha. And um, he's just amazing, man. And he's like, it's crazy. Both uh, the artists are like 25, 26. And I didn't even know that when I was contacting them. And it's like, I feel like so old, like compared to, I'm like a decade older. I was like, yo, you but guys you are facilitated so, it. That's though, right, so. I guess. Yes, yeah. yeah. So it took longer to produce the yeah. or put the whole experience together and then the other artist uh, she's actually a visual artist a musician and she does like a bit of rap and like music in general so um for and then myself i do comedy poetry and storytelling throughout my show and so it is like a variety experience so like many different uh i guess like all of the things that we've gone through throughout our lives we're just kind of putting it in but you really could only do so much with the time that you're given you know it's like is it a two-hour thing? We're we're trying to do about an hour and a half to two hours. We're just figuring that out um, about that amount. Like, just being able to flesh it out enough, but we also don't want to uh, overwhelm people. Yeah, with, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. there's still trauma is intense, right? Yeah. So we want to be able to give a l- little bit of space and and see how that goes. But the show in itself really is us get diving a little bit deeper into a lot of the stuff that we experience as as children, as youth, and uh, kind of what it is that we want to bring forward into the legacies, like into our next all the children that are coming up and everything. So everything we experienced, what worked, what was great, and then kind of looking at our lives now and what things do we want to bring forward with us. That's kind of the the hypotheses of like, okay, if we analyze ourselves enough and, and think of what was actually positive, what really hurt us as kids, and then what we bring forward. That's kind of like the main goal, I would say, of the whole project. And um, we're Fuck doing- yeah, that's noble. Yeah, thanks, what, man. From your yeah. point, of, from f- what you're bringing to the... Your third of the show. Yeah. Uh, what things do you are you planning on talking about? Yeah. So I definitely talking about my mom uh, and just how hard it was for her to say I love you back to me. The, yeah. Like for a while, that was like. Would a you huge hit her challenge. with the I love you? Yeah. Like and after I went to therapy for a while, I was like talking about therapy all the time and blah. Like I just felt like I was like part of the therapy gang. You know, like therapy's like 
religion to a certain extent. So once you're in, you just tell everybody about them. They're like, all right, here we go. There's the fucking therapy guy again, you know? But um, that's how it felt. And then I started telling her I loved her. And then it was just challenging to like, she would be like, oh, like, ah, you, 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 have, want, a, you, you want, have a Subaru. Yeah, yeah, you want fruit? Like, I'll cut you fruit. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. that's kind of the vibe of it or whatever. They and love then, through service. Yeah, yeah. They do. They love through it service. It is so yeah. true, man. Service is such a huge part of it. And also, like, quality time, too. You just sit with them and it's just like... You're watching words something. don't even have to be exchanged. Yeah. 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 And that's what's so interesting. I'm such a words person. So it's like so different. And then so it definitely took a while for her to like come around. Like she'll text it or whatever. And Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, like and, and things like that. And um, and one time um, I was like on a date and then she randomly called me at like 7 p.m. You know, and at 7 it's like no one's calling you at 7. Like, like, Mom, seven, it's bedtime. Like, what are yeah. you doing? Huh? No, it was like not, not even like those uh, air duct guys call you at 7. You know yeah, what I mean? like those, they do the 12 to 2 yeah. like, <laughs> shift, yeah. you know? And then um, like the CRA guys do the 10 to 12. Well, my mom is a CRA person. That's so funny you say that. Both my mom and my dad both work for CRA, but they're not the call. Oh, I thought you meant they're the scammers. I'm like, they're not Indian. What the hell? But that's the thing is those CRA people probably aren't actually CRA. That's just an organization. Like they just say CRA because you kind of trust it, right? So Yeah, yeah, no, I know they're not CRA. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. I just, it sounded like, yo, they they do those scams. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. But yeah, and then she. So uh, they work for the CRA. Both of them, yeah, both government workers. And they even when I was a young kid, that was the goal, man. Because it's like you, my, we talked about this last time, just yeah. ultimate security. Yeah, exactly. That's what it was about, and just the idea of how far that's evolved. How they've, to a certain extent, accepted where I'm at now. You know, my dad saying like, "Hey, uh, you're the only person I know who does what he wants." You know, that's what he said, and it's just like that idea of being open for me to do it. I don't know if it was a compliment or not. Yeah, but I was just going to ask. Is that a compliment? No idea. I have no idea, but I just know <laughs> that he acknowledges my You're life. Okay. You know, like, so that's already a thing. And so, yeah, that's that's a, a part of the, the show is really about being able to just inv- go through all these experiences of my life. My grandfather, when he passed away, that was a huge moment in my life too because that's how I ended up um, public speaking for the first time. Was he, was he first person in Canada? So he actually had, his story was crazy, man. So he actually went to America first. Yeah. Um, and he ended up uh, staying in America for a bit. And then his mother contacted him to be like, hey, uh, you got to come back to like Hong Kong right now. Like uh, we're in trouble about something or whatever. When he went back there, there was guards and uh, like armed guards who arrested him. And then they ended up uh, putting him into one of those, uh, I I guess it was an internment camp of some sort. Work work camp things. Uh, And for General Mao, um, for his like audios, they would just play it over and over and over again. And he always joked, but I think it came from, definitely came from a place of trauma, but he was like, there's no one on this earth that knows those songs better than me. That's what he always said. And he'd laugh. And then, and then we'd be like, oh my God. Right. Cause like, they literally clockwork, clockwork orange. Yeah, his eyes, exactly. Like, shit, like exactly. held his ears open. It's like, ah, yeah. And that was like a couple, like years before. And then he ended up um, meeting my grandmother and then um, in Hong Kong, in Hong Kong. That's right. And then it was crazy because him, my grandmother and my five, uh, four aunts and my mom. So five of them. And then his grandma, uh, his mother. So there's eight people all lived in a place that was the size of the kitchen I had growing up. And my mom would bring it up all the time. She'd be like, you know, like eight we used us, to live yeah. eight people in the kitchen this size or a, a place this size. And we would have to leave the room to go to the washroom and say, like just like very child like difficult childhood right and yeah and then but then he ended up deciding to um get sponsored and coming to canada and he he was the first one to bring the whole family over and my mom came over when she was like 16 17 so uh, she grew up there yeah she grew up there and then um she grew up there and then at 16 she ended up coming over um and starting like being in high school so imagine the whitest town, Brockville, Ontario. That's where they went? Oh, my Brockville, God. Brockville, Ontario. And then five daughters, like all five of them, ended up in one high school. So imagine you're in high school, like a white and guy. five this Asian one, show Five up. beautiful Chinese women or like girls just show up. You're like, what the fuck? This is crazy. Like, it must have blown people's people minds. People thought, like, is Cirque du Soleil in town? Like, what the <laughs> fuck is that? Or the Shen Mu um, dance. Like, yeah, they're like, like, we're getting a Mandarin soon. <laughs> you could tell. But it was, it was crazy, like how, 
um, the stories that they they would tell of like how they were treated and like it was just really like in difficult. Brockville in Brock just obviously straight uh, racism yeah it was a lot of racism I would say of and course. like and but that's just part of it like I would I it was just diff so different this is like seventies right now or? yeah 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 absolutely yeah that's wild just, what I want to know is do like you now hanging out with like a lot of these you know are are the art. Um, the artistic community of like the the Asians, mm -hmm. is there a difference between like the people like Mandarin mm -hmm. mainland parents and mm -hmm. Cantonese like Hong Kong parents? Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah, what, absolutely. what is it like? Are they who's like is one more emotionally detached? Like is one more aggressive? Like, I I think that it okay. So the the interesting part is that like as we try to like group people into a lot of stuff, especially in the artistic communities, I find that there ends up being people who just fight to be themselves so much right and i see that there is like a bit obviously where they started compared to where they get to so as we try to like clump people together it becomes as if they're like no i, I don't want that so in the artistic community there is a lot of push to find that authenticity find that like self-worth in that way so but at the same time when you first start looking at families and parents and the way in which they react i definitely can you can definitely see there's a difference in how they view things and how um what they value as well like too, examples right? so i would say um so I have a lot more friends who are Cantonese uh, speaking because I personally am Cantonese as well, like well too, and um, I did I do notice that the parents uh, they don't value the art like they don't see that as like a very important part of it. They see that uh, what it is that we're doing. So Cantonese is kinda... and Arabs and Africans are identical. <laughs> I mean, they like, were there's, identical. There's just so many different people i i just think that society in general though art has definitely been put aside uh more so in terms of like what is valued and what's not right so i definitely it's it's hard to say i guess in terms of um did the, specifically mandarin and Cantonese, yeah, did though, the, right did the, the language, more mainland did they have more of an appetite for artsy stuff i honestly um don't even know if i can answer that really well because the people that i do know that are in that they definitely do more visual arts yeah there's not as i don't know as many people who are mandarin speaking specifically who are doing stand-up comedy or poetry or things like that right Word. so for just from my uh, like experiences right so the expression is more visual arts and in, in that realm um but even at the same time i i would say most of the people's parents that i know are not like super hyped that they went to school for art for or sure. things like that like yeah. most immigrant families like just aren't it's not a brag worthy that. thing yeah and that's that's challenging man yeah. like and what's even more one of the biggest things i want for intergenerational is to be able to show people that the speaking arts and the stage are places where even if you are a visual artist now there's so much value to being able to also share your stories in this way you know it's not you don't have to not share your stories through speaking like speaking and the stage is such a powerful way to be able to express yourself and 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 share your full stories right so that's really what i want with this is and i want to also all the people who are wanting to share their stories or are kind of like suffering on their own and experiencing that on their own and kind of shameful of the way that they were brought up that's what this show's all about, man. I want to be able to show how messy it is, too. I want people to see that I wasn't perfect in this. I talk about comedy, actually, in my show a lot. Uh, what I'm going to be presenting is when I first started, man, I was like the most racist Asian comedian possible. I literally was like, what? I was like probably 21 at the time when I started, right? So every Asian stereotype, I would just do like a cover of it, but I would write like a better joke than i've ever heard anybody else do about that specific thing so yeah, yeah, yeah. i had like jokes about like penis, small eyes this, small dicks like yeah. uh, all of the shit that like people would hear now and they'd be like oh that's so dated like eating cats and dogs yeah, like yeah. a bad driving just like the shit that just isn't a lot of it wasn't you even real it's what you're supposed it, to do yeah exactly that's what was crazy when i first started comedy it was as if i was in such a people-pleasing mode right and i was so good at uh, especially in college, I went to Humber College, and the people that I knew there, mostly white people, I would always have to make fun of being Asian before they did, and they usually did it like preemptive strike. So when I was in in high school, I probably it would have been like after five or six comments, then somebody would be like, "Oh, because you're Asian" or something like this, whatever. In college, it was like you're Asian, like literally, like so fast. So I had to like jump in before they did yeah. to take the power away from gotcha. them, right? So yeah, yeah. and then that right when I started doing comedy, I was like, okay, that's. It was something what I, I was do. already doing. So yeah. I already started doing it. And obviously it was just 
after a while, it just drains your soul, man. You just are, what happened was I was like an avatar of Asian. So like anytime I would go on stage, I would just be doing, like if they want, what would they want to hear from an Asian comedian? I would just do those jokes. And then it just sucked my soul. Like I remember the moment that everything changed. It was just like, I was just on stage and um, I was like, so I'm Chinese. And then the audience just like, is like, <laughs> and they just started laughing. And I was like, uh, all right. And then I just like tried to continue because I had a whole section of jokes that were like Asian jokes and then Chinese jokes. So like, it was like a different part of my set, right? So I was like, so I'm Chinese, just so that I can kind of prompt my jo Chinese jokes, my Chinese jokes specifically. And they laughed at just that. They just me saying, so I'm Chinese. And then they laughed so hard to the point they had an applause break. For you, and I've, that's all you said? I've never gotten an applause break before. For this just, is the first applause break I've ever gotten in comedy ever. And that's what it was for. And then I was just like, oh my God, I need to get the fuck out of here. Like, that's hilarious. It was just like, that's a wake up call. It was such a wake up call, man. And it was literally like probably. Do you remember what was it in Toronto? No, it was in Ottawa. Okay, I know exactly where it was and the moment that it was. So it's what, what was like, the venue? It was absolute comedy in Ottawa. No yeah. way, dude. Yeah, it was, man. Yeah, and and in your mind in that moment you're like, what the fuck? Yeah, but the craziest part was like I was like people were shaking your hand after great. They were so, set. but that's the part that was Anto, crazy. You've got a lot of I just potential. I just went on like. Oh, you drop your chopsticks. They're so racist. <laughs> yeah. Like you brought those just to do that. The stuff that you just said isn't even as racist as what actually happened. Yeah. So I'll just say really what happened. So I I said so I'm Chinese, and then there's the pause break, and then in that moment I had to just like two choices, right? I could be like you guys are fucking awful, whatever. Or I could do what pretty much I feel most comedians would have done, especially in their earlier. But this is me. I'll but just that's say, not even the joke. But this is what. Yeah. But this is what I did was I just continued. I just oh, yeah. like kept doing my super racist Chinese jokes there. And I just ate like I just took it and they loved it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And what's even more fucked up is that what happened? You were like, oh, the chopstick thing or like what all of that stuff isn't even as bad as random white people would always come up to me and just try their Asian street jokes on me. That's what they would do. They would just start oh the Asian street jokes oh and and then they would just want you to laugh so bad. And then they would do their accents, you know, like, and they would do, and it was just like... that's you, you... Uh, I opened it. You exactly. open the door, being like, "I'm the guy. Come, yeah. come, come, come. Siphon yeah. all that shit off to me. I'm cool with exactly. it. Exactly. Cool. You know and, what I mean? Yeah. And that's the the most painful part of it is like, and like that, looking back at it, looking like, back wow. at it, and, and realizing that. And also the the craziest part is that even just as we're talking right now, if you cut this interview in a certain way, it would be like Anto loves racist Chinese <laughs> yeah. jokes about Asian people, yeah. like you know, like and you but zooms it, in on you with but, graphics and shit. That, that's the boing? Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Boing, and then boing? there's like Japanese. Japanese writing, like Japanese writing on the side, yeah. and like it's just the wrong, like, everything yeah. terrible, right? And and that's the thing is that however it's cut or however it's presented, and that's what I really want to show the 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 idea of the intergenerational is to be able to give enough space and time to have this like calling myself out in and being like, look what it is, the mistakes that I've made, thinking that I was actually, to me, when I was doing it, I was like, I'm uplifting the Asian voice because I, there's no other Asian people doing this and I'm getting shows, I'm like doing well. Like, I'm Meanwhile, you're taking them back 100 I'm years. literally pulling, pulling it back and like back. making it so, but at the same time, it was so painful now looking back to it. But at the same time, that's how I got to where I am now, right? Like all of that shit that I went through before, I'm like, man, like I fucked up. And that's the thing is that when I see people getting canceled for things that they did like 10, 15 years ago, I'm like, like there's two parts of me. I'm like, oh, fuck. But I'm also like, like that's fucked up. Yeah. Oh, it was rape. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. right. oh, oh rape. Fuck. I mean, exactly. I was just doing hacky Asian Yeah, shit. exactly. That's they what... raped. Oh, that's <laughs> fucked up. Maybe, exactly. maybe 15 years is, oh, fuck. A hundred people? Yeah. Oh, fuck. Uh, okay. But yeah. like, no, I know what you mean. Do you remember when you had that realization and we're like, fuck, I got to change? That was the, the moment. The transition. Yeah. Because the transition is rough because you lean so hard on the hack mm. Asian stuff, the stuff you thought you were supposed to cater. Yeah. And now you're like, no, I'm going to talk about 
my interest, which is I, 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 I my pet peeves, <laughs> my stuff that's not Asian related, just me as a human. Yeah. Did you? Was it hard? You're Dude, like, fuck, you're, this is hard. It's so fun because your hypotheticals you're giving aren't even close to how bad what end actually happened is. So what actually happened was I moved to Toronto, and at that point I was obsessed with puns, and I'm still obsessed with puns, right? But at that point I, I was did, waiting for a pun. Right I didn't there, know yeah. how to like mix it in, right? Yeah. I literally was at at one point I was only doing puns during my set and every story that I would tell would just lead to a pun like it was the only thing that I was doing so it was so interesting I went from being the Asian joke guy to the pun guy so like I couldn't even ever just be Anto right that's what was so fucked up was that I wasn't even comfortable with being myself at all and that's what's so powerful like, to where are you guys going like, I'm pun <laughs> 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 like that's why some guy just attacks you. Yeah, <laughs> and that's so like, you went you went fully into fully puns. into puns, and that's like all I was wanting to do. And like, what was it like? But if you look back and are honest, yeah, what do you think it was? It was like, because you know, you're now talking to you. You clearly look back. I was like, what the fuck? Mm. Like, I can see the ebbs and flows of the this character development of myself mm. years ago. Mm. What do you think it was? Do you think you just like your true self wasn't interesting? You know what I mean? It was a lot of fear and yeah. also just and fear of like expressing yourself and it not being funny and not doing well. Dude, that is such a that's exactly it. So here's the thing. Being a comedian already was so challenging for my parents to accept at all. So if I did it and I did a caricature of what I thought a comedian was and I failed at it, my parents, even if they judged being a comedian, it wasn't me that failed in it. It was this caricature that I had made of myself gotcha. that was there. You see what I'm saying? It's a so, defense mechanism. Exactly, exactly. So now, as I'm presenting my whole self in my shows, and I'm now, or at least I'm doing my the best that I possibly can at the place that I am, and now if they're like, we don't accept what you're doing, they're actually, to a certain extent, saying they're not accepting me still, to a certain extent. And that's way more painful, right? But so, at the same time, you get way more fulfillment from expressing exactly. your whole self. So it's yeah. like... Yeah. It sucks that you don't accept me, but it's me. Exactly. But I never felt it. So here's one thing that's uh, interesting because it does this whole my whole show connects a bit to like therapy is such a big part of it as well, too. One of the big thing about why I think a lot of people avoid therapy is because they've never actually felt the success or the, the power of of that. Right. They've never experienced. Oh, that actually worked for me. So that's the same thing with being authentic and being yourself. Right. A lot of people have never even ex fully experienced and immerse themselves in what that feels like. So they never had positive results from it. They've just had snippets of trying to showcase a part of themselves and then it didn't work or, or somebody rejected that one part of it. And then they just were so fearful from that forever. They're like, oh shit, I don't want to feel like that ever again. But as comedians and to a certain extent, we're producers and salespeople to a certain extent too. Sales 100%. We, we, we know that like that failure at that one moment, that's only in that moment. It doesn't mean your entire experience is. So you got to keep trying or keep pushing forward. And that's really what this is. Is, is this the ever evolved final product of myself? I don't think so. But it's where I'm at now. And it's come so far from where I was, man. Like looking back at that, like even just being able to say those things, like it just was, I was an avatar, man. I was just the fucking like robot of what I, I wrote all these jokes that I'm like, Oh, that's a great joke. And then future me is going to really suffer when he has to yeah, say these on stage. Fuck. That's really what it was. Cause I'd, I'd be on stage and I'm like, I can't believe I fucking like wrote the pun like, stuff. Were you, it was it also like in the back of your head. You're like, I'm doing an act that my parents could stomach. Mm. Like, I, did you? Were you also always like, you know was, what I mean? Yeah. Because like, you're I, like, if I do puns, it's pretty innocuous. As long as I make people laugh, I'm not hurting yeah. anyone's feelings. So, but like, I was hurting people's feelings because I was doing really offensive and aggressively like fucked up puns too. Really. So it's interesting because it was that it was my exploration of words. Like I was seeing how people would forget that I was Asian because I was doing so many puns and that's all I cared about right how many puns does it take for you to forget that I'm Asian like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that's hilarious a lot a lot of puns it was like people were like lighting me like, and I was that like, Asian guy said like a hundred puns you over here you're like fuck I need more puns yeah that, and then what happened after the puns yeah and then I just went um I, I actually started doing um so I was doing puns and then at one point I started uh doing I worked for an organization called Free the Children, 
And then um, that sounds like a Michael Jackson it was song like, with like celebrities. <laughs> there are children in the lock, and we gotta free the, the children. children. <laughs> and then some guy, Cabano, comes from the back because yeah, yeah. they're running far away. Yeah. And then they'll take the <laughs> headphone and just put it on one hand, you know, like and that. they and they all have a script. <laughs> you gotta free the children now, that- or Amber Heard will shit in your bed. <laughs> And none of them memorize the no, song, right? Nobody like, cares. And they're all yeah. just like, "This is where their we, agent was like, this will be great.' Yeah. yeah, they don't have enough papers for everyone. Like, yeah. there's so many people in one recording studio. Fuck. Um, it. Yeah, <laughs> it always is like that. They're looking over the shoulder and shit. Yeah, you gotta free the children now. But yeah. anyways, you worked at this yeah. organization, <laughs> and then yeah, so I was working for them, and I started doing um, motivational speaking. And I actually was doing facilitating. I can too, see right? that I'm motivated as fuck. Yeah, like, I love the energy. It was, yeah, it's just like that was part of it. It was like just hype, right? Like that was. I actually was like one of the um, leads on this thing called crowd pumping. They used to do these huge events, so they had these events called We Day and shit. And then so they they would have like seventeen thousand youth in this one place. This sounds like O Week orientation. It's week. A, uh, it's. Is this not? No, it's like uh, an organiz. They're just like. Uh, How old are the kids? They were usually in high school ish. Word, age. okay. Yeah. So because the same kind of initiative happens the first week of university. Yeah. There's always that like Yeah, yeah. I was one of those guys. First day of the rest of your life. <laughs> and you painted your face blue. I could see that for sure. Give uh, it up. They're for wearing a vest. Yeah. You're wearing a vest and shit. And like, All the immigrant engineers are in the back are like, this is dumb. I'm gonna <laughs> yeah. go watch. I'm gonna go watch Rooney Kenshin in my room. Yeah, don't even lie. I'm those guys, those guys chilled and watched all the crazy people in the front, like pouring paint we did, on we themselves. Did. We would watch like, just to talk yeah, shit yeah, and exactly. then go back and watch anime. <laughs> yeah. So what was crazy? That's actually um, one of the th- like I was in when I was in college. They actually always got me to be the first because I I had no fear with that. Right? They'd be like, Oh, we need to get. Up, uh, yeah, oh, but no, I wasn't before. even standing. This was before. before. You're right. So I was like maybe like 18 or something, and they'd be like, Oh, we need to get everybody to come to corral. this event, corral, whatever, and then. And I'd be like, all right, I'd stand on a table and I'd like stomp on the table and be like, what up? Oh, yeah, like, real quick. You said it was your grandpa's, you did a eulogy, eulogy or something? That was yeah, the first public right. speaking? The first public speaking I ever did. And that was when I was 21. So yeah. it was after, right after university, at the end of university. So yeah. And this kind of like sparked, this was the spark for stand-up? Two weeks later, I did my first stand-up set, man. So did, did people laugh or was it poignant? Dude, I were fucking like, killed the first two sets I had. But I also wore... No, 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 not stand-up. Oh, stand-up. That, that eulogy. I killed oh, that you, eulogy. No, 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 no. Is that but, a pun? Are you doing, he's doing puns again? <laughs> I can't stop. Yeah. I didn't even want to do that Is he one. Asian? I don't know because that pun was good. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but but like, so did they ask you in advance or did they just throw it up on you last second at his funeral? Uh, the eulogy? No. Yeah. So I found out that nobody was going to speak at his funeral. Yeah. And that just made me so disappointed and sad because he had 13 grandkids, five daughters. He had family members flying in. Like this man was like a pillar of fucking community. Like he had a restaurant that the, the place that it's in in Athens, Ontario, it still is up right now. Uh, and it's just crazy the amount of people that were coming through and they just so much love for him and no but one nobody talked. was going to speak at his wow. funeral because in chinese families a lot of times it's you don't express with words gotcha. and emotions in that way right so there's just like a a, a parking lot full of subaru foresters <laughs> with bows on them like Mazda sorry for too, your loss. civics you know lots of lots the check of engine light is on all I, of them i'm sorry about that. <laughs> we're yeah, so we're sorry for your lot but they did like um but there was no microphone though there was a microphone yeah and a podium and just oh standard funeral home yeah and but no one yeah. was gonna go up yeah nobody well the way that it was set up was that there was a priest that was gonna go up and share yeah and then um and then i think my uncle was gonna like host it kind of you know like introduce anybody who wanted to speak and there was nobody else who um had volunteered at that point and then on that day i was the only one who ended up speaking so yeah it was definitely like not a common thing in terms of um just expressing ourselves but then when my grandmother passed away two years ago myself and two other of my cousins actually spoke at her funeral and i was just so happy to see that like people wanted to say something you know because and i was like what's why you know I, but I, obviously after you know 12 13 years they finally were able to hopefully open up more and speak yeah. more and that kind of stuff so yeah hell yeah so that kicked off stand up kicked you. up stand up two weeks later i did my first comedy set um, and I crushed the first two sets so badly. What was fucked up was that I wore a rice paddy hat on stage. Dude. So now I'm thinking about that. I'm like, that's so fucked up. This is so right? similar like, to when Bobby Lee tells his uh, intro into stand up. Mm-hmm. He did a, such a similar thing where he yeah. was like, 
He just did a caricature of what he thought. I he was didn't even to know do. about Bobby Lee, and now I, whenever I hear about he'll shit about like, Bobby Lee oh, stuff, oh, I was oh, like, tiny, wow. tiny, like he'll yeah, do all yeah. this stuff, just exactly what you were saying, catering to what they expect exactly. you to be saying. I'll give them exactly what you want. Then, yeah. you, then you can't not love me. Exactly. And what was crazy is it was like you sacrificed your soul, your soul for the stage. That's really what it was. And and wanting all of those people to like you, you you basically were hoping that that'll make you learn to love yourself you know but it really wasn't it really fucked it was the you opposite up. Yeah. it was the opposite it made you real like because you're honing this thing and there was that's so much resentment you. yeah you're honing exactly you're crafting and like creating this item that was basically like the way that i always think of a set is like it's as if you have like molding, a beautiful yeah. crystal yeah and then you're like revealing it to people and then you're sharing your set or whatever but my crystal just would say racial slurs yeah like that's like how bad it was like but what's fucked up is like, on like day it's like you're polishing it. you have a shitty crystal and then you're slowly polishing yeah, it yeah. and you're showing you're revealing it uh-huh. but before you show it to people it's polished it's yes, polished exactly polishing. but the problem is on day set 38 when you just can't, this thing is killing you, uh-huh. and you're like, I'm not, I'm not revealing this. I'm revealing yeah, yeah. more myself. Uh-huh. The issue is the fear of the fucking open ocean of Dude, navigation. Like, what do I do? All I know is this, this crystal. You yeah. go right back to this crystal. Exactly. You go right back to it because it's the only thing honed. And then you're also so it's a trap. The, that trap also sets you up for more failure, though, if you only <laughs> are showing that and you're not showing parts of yourself. But what's happening now is that. That's one of the things that I have available. So, like, this is something obviously most comedians would forever hate if if they, somebody said this about them. But I feel like to a certain extent, I'm like a can be compared to like a prop comedy even to a level. Like, co- like stand up comedy to me is one of my props. Like, like poetry is one of my. It, they're just. I mean, Carrot Top is killing it, right? So it's like <laughs> it's like one of my like items that I have to present to the audience, right? And when I'm sharing my whole self. All of these are parts of myself. So it's like I'm going into my box of like different ways in which I'm performing. But I just choose the stuff that I think is dope, right? I think comedy is amazing. I feel poetry has helped me express in a different way. Storytelling. I really love the aspect of bringing people into my life in a certain way. So like all three of them serve different things, right? So that's the beauty of being able to actually be multidisciplinary artist in that way is that like Different parts of myself get like, you know. What I want to know now is because we both MC weddings and you do it yeah. like uh, way more legit and you have a you know a lot more of a track record of it as well. Uh, I just have like a Kijiji ad, so I do a lot of brand weddings. I do a bit about I do a lot of brand weddings. No one else is looking for an MC on Kijiji. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're looking for. The, I know where they're looking for the deals. Yeah. But uh, but like, how did all of that help like make you a killer MC? Dude, at a wedding. comedy was such an amazing setup to being a good MC, right? You don't like, have to be funny as an MC. That's the yeah. best part. You're like, they're paying you more than comedy ever pays you. Yeah, absolutely. You're like, I don't have to be funny. Yeah. All I have to do is just not be racist. Because like, <laughs> they're worried about some crazy, like, loose cannon yeah. motherfucker is going to go up there and go into some tirade, right? Or, or family member that's going to lose it, right? But that's the thing is that what's cra- like amazing to me is that the way in which I started public speaking was because nobody wanted to speak at my Gong Gong's funeral. The reason I ended up getting weddings was because nobody wanted to speak at the Cantonese weddings. Yeah. So it really is the same, like... The, you cornered the market, It really baby. is, yeah. man. Like, And I specifically, like, I would say out of... Every year, if I'm uh, when I was at my peak, I was doing maybe like twelve weddings or something like that. One of them was English only. Like the all the other ones, I'd I'd have to do Cantonese and English, right? So that's what they want is they want somebody who's able to speak English. Because really there's a well. lot of elders there too. That, right? That's what it's about. Yeah. It's about honoring the elders and being like, oh, you hired someone who at least lets us know what's happening. And that's what's so funny is because I actually have been hired. In in wedding specifically, I got I got flown out to Hong Kong. Oh wow! Because, just one time, yeah. because the guy's Cantonese was not good, so that he wanted someone to basically the MC over there. No, no, not an MC. The the groom. Oh, gotcha, so, gotcha. So basically, I had to speak to an entire like three hundred and fifty people, who all of them were native Cantonese speakers, and I come in with like this huge like they call it joksing, which is like a like Cana- like a Americanized Canadianized. Um, 
Cantonese speaker, right? Yeah. And so I go in and I just basically or wear them down, yeah, yeah. wear them down for like the entire night. And then right before he went on, I finally got them. Like I finally got them to laugh at multiple things in a row. And then I got them like engaged. And I was like, now I could bring this guy on stage. And his Cantonese was like, not very good. But they were already but used he, to it. But they were like, and not as bad as the, the <laughs> that guy. Anytime that he, in his speech, he would go, he would say some stuff in Cantonese. He'd be like, not as bad as Anto. And everybody's laugh, like, laugh, ah. laugh, laugh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they loved that, right? I love so, it, dude. So yeah, that it's just it is specifically cornering the market. And but it was such a gift, man. Like honestly, there was some years where I was doing so much comedy and so much like performance, and I I couldn't pay the bills and stuff. And then the wedding season would come, and I'd just be able to you know pay for my whole year of living through weddings. So. Um, so from yeah, what yeah. I understand, no one has monetized <laughs> the Cantonese culture of poor <laughs> communication more than you. When you put it like that, yeah. um, the, like, these people don't want to speak at all. And I will speak, <laughs> free the children. You just start singing up there. In Cantonese yeah. too? Like, <laughs> what's, the, what's your go-to move for like bringing, like, uh, I'll do weddings where it's just like, a lot of the weddings, you, do you, know, you don't know anyone? No, you don't know anybody. Yeah, but, okay. But so I go and I, I talk. So here's a trick I talk that to I the do. bride and groom. No, I talk to everyone. So what do you do? I literally talk to everybody. I'm like, hey, like, where, who are you? Well, so before you go up the. So I, so even today, um, I don't have to start work until like four or so. But I'm trying. I'm, I'm wanting to get there at three so I can go talk to the bride and groom, talk to the wedding party, talk to everybody who works there. Then I start making my way talking to strangers who look like they just want to talk to somebody or they're bored. And then as that's that, smart because then you're just basically basically building up an entire like many people who when they see your face they're like oh that Familiar guy face. yeah this is fun you know so that's definitely one of the big things that helped me a that's lot that's so smart i have social anxiety yeah which is like a lot of comedians do but i have it i feel like even more than the average comedian hmm. i'm not that like once i'm on once i'm behind the podium you'll think this is the most yeah party goer lively <laughs> guy ever but like i'm hiding till yeah, the second yeah. they tell me i need to go up. yeah yeah <laughs> so so often i go up and it's like five ten minutes of like yeah who the fuck is this guy uh -huh. and i have to like overcome that before i introduce the family you know but that's why i actually keep, i keep the beginning part quite short too because i end up going and talking to everybody and then i just let them know what's up and then after we introduce the bride and the groom, then the vibe is already so high that you just are able to keep it flowing in that way. But that's just the the talking with people. I'm I, I, I like talking to people, but I also right when the dance floor hits, I bounce. Like me too, I leave me too. Like, I, right I, away. Like, I love that. I, yeah, I tell them I'm yeah. like, once I open up the dance floor, I'm out. Like yeah, that's exactly, always the last exactly, thing. Yeah. How many weddings have you say you've done? Over a hundred? Mm, I would say uh, 75 to 100 if I had to guess. Um, yeah. Horror stories? Oh my god! Uh, one of the moms, we gotta, we gotta, one of the moms yeah. hated my Cantonese so badly, and it, I, I it's actually like a very proper mom. Yeah, and I and I actually uh, had to speak to multiple family members to get all the translations of people's names and stuff, and she was so offended by, and she just kept heckling me. So I, it was like the the groom's mom, and every time that I would say someone's name, she'd be like, "It's actually this name," and then I would be like, at, "At one point, I like stopped like her, like, and I was just like." I would love to hear like thank you so much for your help and she didn't offer help but I was like that's just what I did at that moment I was like that's so nice of you to help me so I'll say the names in English and you come up and say it in Cantonese and then she wouldn't so it was super awkward for that moment too right and then I ended up just continuing and then it was bad enough that she like in her mind anyways that she like came up like angrily and then she read the rest of it but like She's Were honoring you way people. Off? Were you way off? No, I don't think I was way off, man. It, but it was just because Stop there was so bitch. many names too, and like so. The thing that people don't know about Cantonese, it's very specific. On so if it was my dad's older brother, and it's his son, that's different than if it was my dad's older sister and her son. Gotcha. The different name, they would be different. Like or 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 my aunt, my aunt, who's my dad's older brother, uh, older aunt. And then a younger aunt, it's different, right? I don't or even understand that stuff in English, by the way. <laughs> yeah. When yeah. they go twice removed, I don't even know what removed means. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, what the fuck? Like, are did you they go about? to jail? Was it is an that, abortion? Is that why they removed? Yeah. Like, they, so they aborted two times. <laughs> Jesus, why is that in the name? Yeah, what were they removing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. like I don't even know that stuff. And then these other cultures, I did that. I did a a real estate, a big 
Brampton real estate firm had their awards. Uh. You know, it's like one of those. Uh, it's seek. I thought you were gonna say that you you got like you started wanting to go in real estate. I was like, I could see it. I could see him. Imagine, selling dude. I could see you comedy. selling homes. This is actually the final episode. Yo, this the guy next could, one yeah. is called the closing. Yeah, the, <laughs> the unreal closing. estate. Yeah. Like, but this. Uh, this congregation, they wrote the phonetic breakdown mm. for every single like Punjisa, like it's all these like, yeah. like Punjabi names. Yeah. And like I would like butcher a lot of these and then eventually the guy just came next to me and just started reading all the names. Yeah. But there wasn't yeah. like any hate or anything like that. It was just kind of like people would laugh a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And then he's like came up and he'd be like, I'd be like, oh, okay, and give it up a didgeroo. And then he like fucking would read the name, you know? He's like, when did you just say didgeridoo for one of their names? That just felt so painful. And I wouldn't even say I'm not even Sikh. And I feel like so like. No, I wouldn't say the names. Oh, okay. Give it up for And then like. They did it with a yeah yeah I'm like, yeah. yeah I'm like why am I even here? <laughs> but That's what so else? Interesting yeah. And then uh, man, just wait. any medical emergencies? No, no medical emergencies. Mostly it was just um, things that were uh, just out of timing or something. Or like one time uh, we were doing a ten course meal, and then every course took like half an hour. So it it started at around six, and it wasn't until, like the food didn't finish until like midnight almost. And what then people the were like so pissed off. Uh, old people especially were really mad and st- so it was so long just to like get all the food out so but it was a huge wedding too right so 10 course meal who that's, thinks that's, that's no, a good that, idea no but that's chinese chinese wed- that's one of the bi- big reasons why uh i can't charge the amounts that i do is because um 10 You're, course meals is very common actually in chinese weddings so you stay so, there that long yeah so th- they'll just be six usually it's six to ten though that's like the all food but like what's crazy is that a lot of the people um, are actually getting you to do activities in between. So you're like, how many games could we possibly, how many speeches can we possibly do? So in between every meal, so they, they clear the table and then you'd have an activity. Then they clear the table, like um, then they'd serve the food, clear the tables, then you'd have another activity. So they have a video. There's just so many things happening, which is why like the MC position, a lot of people are like, I don't want to do that. that. Yeah, yeah, it's like, no, it's a so last resort. Busy, yeah. What do you? What's the most popular game? Because the, the when I play when I do these weddings, all I know is the shoe game. Yeah, you I know? have I have one for you that you, that always crushes, and you could use it right now too. It's actually a like mi- right now. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a mi- it's a mix between um, uh, musical chairs, yeah, and um, scavenger hunt. So okay. you put eight to ten, uh, maybe more if you have a big wedding, and you put them in the middle of the, the, the dance floor, and then you're like, okay, in a circle, anybody, like, in a circle yeah. uh, but uh, the back to everybody's back to each other. Gotcha. And then you're like, anybody who wants to uh, come join. up here and join, jump in. So then they'll come up, and then you're like, okay, great. You go and you interview every single one of them. So you're like, what's your name? And then they and then you talk to it. every one of them, and you make jokes about That's them. That's a time make fun of killer them. right there. Killer. Yeah. And then you're like, wow, it's great that you uh, dressed up for today, and they're like wearing like flip flops or something. You know, like you just yeah, make fun of like kind of what they're. And then um, you do all of them, every single one of them. And then um, everybody's like, and, and you get them excited. And you're, who do you think's gonna win tonight? They're yelling their friends and family members, whatever. And then you're like, okay, we're just gonna test one right now. Uh, go and get me a uh, teacup. And then they'll run to their tables. And then grab a teacup and then run back and then they have to get back in the seat. So for the first one, you don't remove a seat, right? But then you just a practice one. Oh. And then every time you say something Do different. Do you tell the DJ to drop a song? Yeah, obviously. Okay, and, then cool. you're, and then the next one's like, okay, go and get me a chapstick or lipstick. So they run and grab it. They come back. One of the chairs is missing. And you're like, oh, I'm so sorry. Okay, audience. Oh, everybody the chair everybody say, oh, with me. Oh. And then the whole audience goes, oh. And it's like hilarious. And then you interview them. You're like, how are you feeling? We're so sorry. The loser. That Oh, God. And then, and yeah. then we're like, who do you think? Who do you want to win? And then they'll say the person, whatever. And then the you know thumbs and up. And a round of applause for them. They yeah, go back. Get, keep exactly. going. Keep going. Keep going. The last one that you get, oh, one of the ones that gets the biggest laughs is okay. Uh, the next one, go and get a Visa card or whatever. You they go get a Visa card and you're like, all right, everybody swipe on this machine that I have here and like, <laughs> yeah. and then that gets a laugh every time. And then uh, this basically, if you're doing dad jokes, like in a condensed yeah, way that's what you're doing is. really yeah and then uh the last one is the best though i'm always like go and get me a toilet paper roll so they have to run to the washroom and then while they're gone i'm on the mic just like making fun of both of them basically just roasting them right <laughs> i'm like look at how he's running like shit you know it's whatever having There's someone fun with in that. a stall right now who exactly. gets the toilet paper <laughs> take it yeah, yeah, yeah i'm using that <laughs> yeah and then they come back and everybody it's like exciting kind of and so that's like the game show vibe that you're wanting that's awesome right? so that's, that's a it. that's probably my the one that always kills and you can Do you still leave it till the end 
that's you'd have the two games you do the shoe game but i, I actually yeah. do a modified shoe game so the modified shoe game is better because the shoe game you it forces the bride and the groom to be in the middle right yeah, yeah, yeah. but the way that we do it is that it's actually more of a game for the audience so you have one person who gets a male and a female shoe from every table and they stand up and then the bride and the groom they answer they tell us what's the right answer so you're like oh who hogs the um remote control and then uh everybody guesses and then they'll say bride or groom and then we ask the bride and groom which one is it and then the bride will raise her shoe or whatever and then everybody who lost they'll sit down and then it's whoever is the final person they win a prize so every both things it's that gets the congregation tell, involved. Yeah, and you have to tell them both. Everybody just bring a prize. That's just have a something to, something give, to yeah. give to them. I'm always like that's a good you, idea. That's I'm like awesome. if you have old uh, if you have an old toaster or something that somebody gave to you, th- those gifts are great because you could hold it. It's a, a big box. You're like, Whoa! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like Subaru Forester. Yeah. Like, no, you idiot! It's a fucking <laughs> box. Dude, yeah. that's awesome. I actually I have like I have one coming up. I I don't do too many anymore, but uh I have one coming up where they're like, "What are the games?" and I'm like, "I don't know." I'll give you my list. I'll send you my list. Yeah? Yeah, I'll send you I my whole list, man. Home. Got you, man. I appreciate 500 bucks. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, yo, did I did I ask you the three questions last time you came on, or did I did I create? Start you probably that created after? after, man. Yeah. Okay, all right. So okay. I asked three questions now at the end of the podcast. Okay. The first one is, did you get beat growing up? I did get spanked as yeah. a kid. I did, yeah. Uh, you've been through therapy now that you say yeah, spanked. Absolutely, <laughs> it was yeah. beat pre therapy. Yeah. Well, what's crazy is that white people call it. Uh, uh, no, spanking. no. It, uh, a lot of immigrant families they call it dis. Um, they call it discipline. Yeah. And then white they families it, they call it abuse. Yeah, that's yeah, the yeah, big, yeah, like that's the big difference, right? So even for that's it's realizing that actually brought a lot of solace for me, man. Like when I realized, oh shit, like that was actually physical abuse, and my, uh, my fam, like they didn't realize it either, though. It was just like that's, we what, they saw. that's, that's what, what they saw. Intergenerational, man. Like so, that's the thing. That's one of the biggest things about the intergenerational shows. Like, what are the things that worked for me? I know that that shit didn't work. I'm fucked up still to a certain extent from that stuff. So I don't want that to continue. And that's one big thing in my family. I know that if there's family members who hear this, they're gonna be like, "Why are you telling all our secrets and things?" But I would rather family members be uncomfortable and a little bit hurt, maybe that I'm speaking on this stuff, than for us to move forward with this shit as a reality. I don't want anybody ever to experience that, you know? So that's Good important, vibes. man. Yeah. I like that. That's kind of the whole point of intergenerational. Yeah, right? absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, second question is, um, <laughs> who, who actually, no, what's something Cantonese people do that you've never seen anybody else do? Hmm. Either in Hong Kong or here. Only Cantonese people do this. Well, in Hong Kong specifically, right outside of where I was living, um, they actually, every Sunday, they would all be in the park singing songs to each other. And they would have groups of ladies who were dancing. And then um, in the bushes, there was always like old <laughs> men who were watching the ladies dancing and stuff like that. In so, the bushes. In the like bushes. Moses there was like 12, 12 <laughs> men in the bu- And it was normal. Ah, it it was, and then the guys in the like bushes. Hidden, hidden. Yeah, they, they were hidden. But like obviously you'd see them when you walked away or whatever. But those d- old men in the bushes who were watching the dancing... I honestly, sure, some people could say, oh, it was from like, you know, dirty thinking. I don't even think, a lot of them were just really shy old men who were like, they would kind of like dance along a little bit too. And it was like weird. It was like, to me, I saw that and I thought it was really cute. And then my partner at the time was like, that's so creepy. Exactly. Isn't that funny? (laughs) It's like, we call it discipline. They call it abuse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They They call it charming. We call it predators. (laughs) Right? Like, like, that's so fucking, and they just be, and they'd be like dance, not like Tai Chi or anything no like no dancing. no they were dancing and yeah. they was dancing to song like really uh, and they'd be in song. there like oh the bushes are full today yeah. <laughs> the guys Great. in the bushes are like hey yeah. what's up man good yeah. to see you yeah, yeah. you're in your spot cool, i'm shy you know? <laughs> yeah. I, that's yeah. not how hella kitty got about it <laughs> i'm shy uh okay final question is who do the cantonese talk shit about like who is the butter jokes has any any time that you've asked this question, did people ever not say everyone? Because I know that a couple can- people say Cantonese everyone. say uh, like Cantonese people behind the scenes. Uh, I wouldn't say specifically my generation because most of the people I know Cantonese speaking are like new generation, new generation. Like, yeah. th- but like I would say the older generation, they ha- are basically afraid of pretty much every other race. I would say right. So and they definitely the closer that we were to being Cantonese, like Mandarin speakers. 
and and people from mainland China, Cantonese speakers definitely talk shit about them. Other Asian people definitely talk shit about them. South Asian people for sure. <laughs> yes. uh, black people for sure. Of like, course. and that's the thing. It's such a that's a list we always make it on as black people. Like, yeah, yeah talk but, shit about us. Yeah, we on that. But list. that's the thing is, I actually recently asked my aunt. I, I was like, what made Chinese people dislike black people i never understood because of uh, everything that was happening she was like oj like, simpson <laughs> it was like, so, like oh, so specific but it wasn't she didn't Damn. to her it's not even that she's like it's not that i i we don't like them it's because i'm scared of them that's what she said and then and then she like kind of like slowly packed i was like what this is so strange like <laughs> is there a black person here yeah. right now? Yeah. why are you asking me why are you asking it was me? gonna be profound there it's not that we don't like them it's that they terrify us. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's worse. I'm like, I don't know if it, yeah, that's I was going to say, I don't know if that's better or worse. It's, it's just that they are in our nightmares. <laughs> yeah. They are the boogeyman. <laughs> I love that though. That's so funny. But yeah. you have to admit, the set, the Mandarins, the Koreans, the Chinese, they all go in on the Southeast Asians, you know? Southeast. Oh, uh, the jungle yeah, Asians. I, yeah. I, I personally will never call them the jungle Asians. Hey, Bobby Lee calls it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Of course. Because he's not like part of the jungle Asians. So yeah. But uh, yeah, Kalila definitely. Like, also I've worked like, in China. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have friends who grew up in Hong Kong. I have friends who've been everywhere. But yeah. out of all these people tell me to visit mm-hmm. Asians and non-Asian. The most places they tell me to visit are in Southeast Asia. Absolutely. Go for sure. Vietnam, love- Thailand. Like all these places, been, that's where people push me to visit. I've like been to more all than those, anyone, man. no one else, no one I've never met was like, dude, you gotta go to China. You yeah. gotta go to Korea. Like I'm gonna go to Korea. I've I, been to China. I've been to Japan. Yeah, but I, but everyone's like, you gotta Japan, go to Vietnam. I would say a lot of people say Japan and Hong Kong because it Japan's depends on a what cool you culture. It depends what you want though. If you want big city vibes, Hong Kong's fucking dope. Especially like one second you're in like the most metropolitan super city type thing. One second later, there's like a dude on the side of the road selling you like random shit. Like it's just- Yeah, Tokyo the, the, too. Exactly, right? Exactly. So to me, uh, those are, de- it just depends on what you're wanting. But absolutely, when you're going, like you want to travel, you want that vibe, you want that beach, you want like- Vietnam is next for me. Southeast Asia. Vietnam yeah. was great, man. Yeah. I loved it. I can't wait like, to go to Vietnam. Super good. And one thing that you should do is uh, in uh, the bigger towns- You're like, intergenerationals actually has a Vietnam I would episode. love that, man. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I want to do an Asia tour. That was yeah. a that's actually a huge thing that we want to do is we want to actually travel with intergenerational because like I, the, that's the reason why I set it up the way that I did was in uh, Toronto we're doing four different dates in different locations right because I wanted to set it up like a tour. What would that feel like being in like a tour right? So I want a tour with the show for sure. Um, but Southeast Asia specifically, I would say one thing to do is contact. Uh, there, there's people who do tours. But they do it for pay what you can because there's a lot of students that, especially in and Vietnam, and whatever, um, yeah. yeah, he has one of those uh, moped bikes and he brought me to five different locations and uh, each you one of them. You did stand up? No, I did stand uh, up yeah. there too. Yeah, yeah, I did stand up. Um, so I did stand up in Vietnam. I did stand up in uh, Bangkok, like a uh, Tokyo. In Bangkok, I actually stood blocks. up and ran right out of there. So <laughs> that was fun. Yeah, uh, you, you did. You did it as well? No, no, no. I'm planning. I haven't oh, been to okay. Southeast Asia. Yeah, I yeah. did stand up in China. Yeah, I did stand amazing. up in Shanghai for like I was working there a little bit i would yeah. hit up all the open mics it was it was super interesting because so many expats south africans oh. irish and yeah shanghai expat. has a huge expat population that's where they you go look. there they're like bro that's where they make chinese chicks bro we gotta go <laughs> there bro Ex- expats man them. that's w- that's who you're basically playing to when you're in asia like th- and let me know when you're going man i i definitely got you got the hookup in vietnam uh i would say vietnam no um but bangkok for sure hong kong for sure uh, Tokyo, I do have one not paid though. So yeah, I see myself being crash. in Hong Kong for business in the future. I don't know yeah. what business, but I see myself being there for. But that's the thing business, with like podcasting, man. You could if you can set it up in a way you can go anywhere and you can interview people. Just yeah, yeah, set yeah, up I'm four a- or five different like and and Absolutely. as you're, as you're touring, that'd be so dope to interview. Especially if you're wanting to not uh, if you're not headlining the shows right when you're first starting in Asia. Just go there and then you can interview on your podcast all the headliners that you're going to have on the shows, man, like and figure out how to start touring the way that they're touring. Because a lot of the um, especially when I uh, one guy that really was amazing was Ron Jossel. When I was traveling in uh, Bangkok, uh, he ended up 
letting me jump onto one of his shows and I opened for him. And then after he just, we went around the city and he just told me all about how he's touring, the way that it's all going. And it was crazy blowing my mind at that point because- like the insight. Yeah, the insight. And he was actually the first headliner I ever saw at Yuck Yucks. So he didn't really know that until I told him that, but it was like crazy to be opening for him in Bangkok when I saw him in Ottawa. That's hilarious. Like eight years ago small at that world, point too. Yeah. It felt so small at that moment, you know, so- that's what this shit's all about, dude. Yeah. I, dude, this has been a pleasure, man. Please yeah, look into this you. camera. Yeah. Let the people know where the shows are, how to find you, everything. Absolutely. So intergenerational, uh, the dates are May 8th. That's at Chinatown Center. Uh, May 13th is at Infinity Strings in Markham. Uh, May 20th, Dawn on the Danforth. And then May 27th, that's going to be at 918 Bathurst. So there's four dates. Please check out our website, uh, www.intergeneration.com. Dot com i n n e r g e n e r a t i o n dot com that was so <laughs> he got hard it. He got my brain it. Yeah. and then on Instagram we're inner dash generation so uh, definitely connect with us let us know if you don't have the funds to come to the shows let us know we're looking for volunteers too and the other artists that are going to be on the shows are Siddhartha as well as Shadell and a huge shout out to the rest of the intergeneration team. We're so grateful. Like everybody's been working their asses off. And then one uh, final piece is that in July, we're actually going to be releasing a short film. Well, short 30 minute film about this entire project. So there's just so much great stuff that's going on. So that's yeah. beautiful, man. As always scroll below, you'll find the the intergenerational handle, everything in the description below. You should have told me that before I tried to uh, fucking spell well, it. Still, I mean, I'll give it to you, right? You know, all right, thanks, buddy. Thanks. Uh, from my end, support the sh uh, socials. Check out patreon.com slash the immigrant section. Support the show directly. Get behind the scenes content, bonus episodes. And come out to my album taping May 20th. Hey, so go, go to him. No, 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 he's go got to three <laughs> other dates. Yeah, so I choose so one dates. of those. Go to May 20th, yeah. Three Times Cafe, two shows, 8 and 10. Yes, yes. Album taping and a mini special. Yo. I'm fucking looking forward to that. Congratulations, buddy. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. You, you said 10 o'clock there was one? Maybe 8 we'll and 10. Yeah, maybe we'll be able to make one of those. Okay, that'd be yeah. sick. I'd love to have you. Oh, uh, May, May 20th. I'm busy. Never mind. Oh, <laughs> this episode's not airing at yeah. all. This, I'm looking at the camera. It's never going to be seen. <laughs> but homie, thank Yo, you thanks, for coming brother. out, man. Thank you. thank you for watching. I hope you enjoyed. Until next time, it's your boy Abbas Wab signing out. Peace. Um.